Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode on navigating praise and worship in the local church. With me is my friend and producer of Streamroots, the John Blasser. John, how's it going? Good. How are you, buddy? Doing well. Excellent. Enjoying the fall? Yeah, every day. All right. Bright colors and it's not, well, actually it just started getting dark earlier because we're in daylight savings now. Yuck. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> glad you're here glad to be here man yes we have a special guest for this episode very special very special very special like super special uh-huh. joining us in studio is the worship pastor of the lakes church yes eric fritz yep welcome eric thank you for having me he's not only a friend of mine but an amazing worship leader can you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah so uh i've got a wife and uh, we live in my parents' basement, <laughs> 42 years old in my parents' basement. Uh, we're between houses right now, so we've got, hopefully next week, we'll, we'll be actually in a home. Uh, but we have four daughters, 13, 12, 8, and 6, and I've been leading worship for probably close to 15 years now um, at a couple different churches and in lots of different ministries. Um, kind of started off in like middle school, high school, uh, actually, I mean, originally like with children's choirs, which that was fun. My mom led the children's <laughs> choir at our, uh, at the church I grew up at. And, um, yeah, just over time, um, I did not like, <clears throat> I didn't go to seminary. I didn't come out of high school or college thinking I want to be a worship leader. It was not on my radar at all. Uh, but God had very different plans for mm. my life mm-hmm. and got called into it through some really good like pastor friends and started doing middle school, high school and young adults uh, with like an internship and then got uh, a full-time offer and full-time ministry probably, probably 14 years ago. Uh, and so I've done it all from you know, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, student ministry things to choirs and orchestras and traditional services and contemporary services uh, on Sunday mornings, blended gatherings, ah, yes. all of it. Um, and it's it was very much just trial by fire for a long time. Um, but I had a lot of good, you know, mentors and leaders and pastors who kind of helped me walk through, uh, you know, becoming the worship leader that I am today or whatever you want to say. And, uh, I just, it was definitely a calling that was put on my life. And I, you know, am very pleased to have, uh, listened to God, uh, through that process and has led me here and, uh, been at the Lakes church for just over a year now. And it's, it's pretty great. Has it only been in a year? Yeah. Last September. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. I feel like you've been here forever. It does fly. It yeah. Time flies, and I, I said that time flies, and I feel like you've been here forever. So which one is it? I don't know, man. It's both. That's it's both. Time, long days, short years. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that's better. Short days. <laughs> All right, good. Well, we're glad you're here. Eric does a great job. Very anointed. Very wise. Uh, we 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 value him here 
in our church and Barnabas Ministries to a friend of ours. And uh, so I want to jump into our discussion. Psalm 100 says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 100 commands and compels us to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to enter his presence with singing. Singing to the Lord is so important and part of worship. Martin Luther once said, Next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. Music can express praise to to the Lord, prayers and petitions. It also proclaims the truth of the gospel of the gospel to us. Colossians 3:16 says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God." We can all see and agree that music is central to the local church. So how do you navigate issues when it comes to praise and worship? How do you pick the correct songs for your church? What is the best ways to teach your people the importance of worship? What are the best ways to address people who get disgruntled by song selection? We're going to answer these questions and more in this episode of Stream Roots. So Eric, let's start with something foundational. How do you define worship? Well, the best uh, definition and the one that I always go back to, um, at least for my context and, you know, for where we are in culture and society and as a church, uh, is an active response to the presence of God in your life. Um, I think, you know, the the term uh, is used in a lot of different ways as far as like, oh, it's a category of music that we listen to. Um, it's thought of as, you know, giving adoration to um, blessing, uh, I, th- I heard once that like the the Greek um, definition was like kissing towards, uh, and I just think that for for what we um, when we think of it, we should think of it as a, a response um, and our response to the presence of of God in our lives. And so um, I think it starts with knowing God and trying to wrap our minds around who he is first and foremost. And then once we kind of have that as like our jumping off point to, okay, well now that I um, know who God is and I know and understand my need for him, what's my response to that? And how do I respond? And uh, corporately, you know, on Sunday mornings, we respond in song and in sitting under his word and in reading his word. Um, And there are also, you know, ways that we just live our day-to-day lives as as worship. Uh, the way that I love my wife, you know, I, I like to think of that as, as worship in a sense, like uh, the way that we raise our kids, the way that we um, just walk and talk with people and love people and maybe step outside of our comfort zones to do things that we wouldn't normally think of doing. But if I'm a child of God, and that's where he wants me and what he wants me to do. Well, this is my worship to him as 
uh, surrendering my life to him and, and responding to his presence in my life. Yeah, I love it. You know, it says, in view of God's mercy, present yourself to him as a living sacrifice. So this is your spiritual exactly. act of worship. Yeah. Worship isn't just, you know, sometimes we view worship as like only singing songs, but it's how you live. It's responding mm-hmm. to God's presence. In Correct. Life. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely, you know, ascribing worth to God. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, perfectly said, Mark, it's, it's not just, you know, about singing on Sunday mornings. It's devoting your entire life to the worship of God. Mm. So, well Good. said. Yeah, yeah, but and with that though, singing is really important. Why is it so central to the local church? Because because if we had a service without music, it would be kind of like you know, yeah. It's just it's just how is that so central to us? Because um, you see it as a huge part of the local church, and it's great, and it's awesome. So so why is it that that's the case? Well, and even in that that verse that you read, uh, it's commanded, like it's uh, something that God knows that. When we do it together, uh, it's got multiple um, purposes and uh, much benefit, I think, for us as individuals. Music is just a really interesting art form um, and connects many different people from different ways of life and walks of life. I don't know if you know this. I, I, I think this stuff's really interesting. Um, but like, there are different scales in different cultures uh, so Western culture and American culture, we, uh, live and die off of the major scale, the C mm-hmm. major scale, which is do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Okay. Cause I was like, I don't know what I thought <laughs> when you said scales, I thought you were like measuring things. No, and, no, okay, no. All right. Uh, and so, it, you know, we use these things and we have them in our, our day-to-day life as far as listening to music. Um, when we're told to meditate on scripture, um, meditate on, on God's word and on truth, uh, songs and singing together a way that we can do that together in one voice and it it unifies God's people. Um, it helps us to, you know, just like when you walk away from church and you're singing a song and you're singing a truth, uh, and just processing it and meditating on it and these things get stuck in our heads, um, and it's, it's good for us. It's good for us, uh, in, in just so many different ways. Um, but you know, it is important to remember that it's commanded by God, uh, and that we're, we're called to sing his praises. I think it's in, in James and he's like, if you, what is the James passage where he's saying, if, uh, if you're, I don't know, if you're glad in the oh, Lord, yeah, sing to the Lord, yeah, yeah sing to the Lord. Yeah, if you need help, yeah, pray. If you're sick, pray. Yeah. Yeah. And um and so there are just there there are a lot of different reasons, uh, I think, for our purposes on Sunday that it helps us to corporately um recall and remind ourselves of who God is. And uh and in a sense as well, then uh in reminding ourselves of who he is, then responding to him together in a, in a unified voice. And um yeah, it's I love singing. Some people don't. Some, some people, <laughs> or maybe they like doing it, but they're like, oh, I'm no good at it. Uh, and God doesn't care. Like every, every voice uh, is, is a joyful noise to him. Uh, and when we can do it together, it's all the more powerful and reaches, reaches you know, our, our, our souls. Um, music, uh, just it works in people's lives in different ways. And in our, um, and you think of like worship in spirit and in truth the head and the heart. And I think music is a great art form to, to connect those worlds 
uh, especially, you know, for large groups of people. It's a powerful thing on Sunday mornings. Yeah, amen. It is. I'm a horrible singer. But I love singing to the Lord. But we love, love hearing. I was going to say, dude, you make such a joyful noise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Noise. <laughs> but that's part of grow even spiritually. I remember, you know, you sing those songs and they stick in your mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like you're recalling the gospel. You're recalling these truths. This mm-hmm. firm foundation I have. Absolutely, in the Lord, right? You, you, you keep me. It, it teaches us. It train. It, it shapes us. It, it, ex, it allows us to express. I praise the Lord, right? Bless the Lord, yeah. all my soul. Right. Psalm 103, like he's he's literally having to tell himself, compel himself to sing. Like, bless the Lord, all my soul. Right. Don't forget all that God has done. He's preaching to himself these things. Yeah. So it's so central. Now, here's a question. This is going to be a good one. This okay. is a discussion <laughs> beyond. Because you got to navigate these issues. What kind of music should the local church use? Now, let me just give a caveat here. Um, this is a, obviously a lot of strong opinions on this, For what sure. kind of music to use. Yeah. And I remember seeing a YouTube video of a pastor of a large church and he's like, yeah, my church, we play like highway to hell on Easter <laughs> Sunday. And, and I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, and I was a little bit younger and I was like, there was probably other thoughts that went through my mind. Sure. But, but you, you come into these things and, you know, with this desperation of being so culturally relevant with music that you kind of lose sight of what the purpose of it is. And, uh, and, and so what kind of music do you think the local church should use and why? Well, um, you know, if you were to walk through or, you know, ask any congregation, uh, who listens to country music, who listens to folk, <laughs> classical, like whatever, all the different types of music. Uh, everyone's got different tastes. And uh, I think one of the important things that I like to really keep in mind is that the church is multi-generational. Mm. Uh, it's easy, I think, for um, you know uh, churches or young worship leaders or whatever to think uh, we need to be relevant, we need to play modern songs, we need to do, you know, these what's on the radio or whatever. Uh, and I just think it's really important when uh, thinking through what what kind of music to, to play, what style. I like variety, uh, which is why, you know, yesterday we had a choir. Some weeks we won't. Uh, we'll bring in, you know, a string section and have different like kind of orchestrated music. We uh, I like to incorporate hymns into Sunday mornings. Um, and you know, you can bring them out in different artistic ways or creative ways, uh, as far as modernizing a hymn, it's really hard, uh, to take like a three, four song and to make it sound modern. Uh, and so a lot of times we'll, we'll move them into like a four, four kind of, uh, rhythm or beat to, to give it a more modern feel, uh, so to speak, but the truths are the same. Uh, and I think that as long as the, the songs that you're doing are communicating, uh, attributes of God, who he is, um, and the, they're truly, you know, theologically sound, it's another big thing. Uh, and just making sure that what you're singing are truths that are going to resonate with people, but it's not just Oh, I like this song. I think it's cool. And so that's what I'm going to play on Sunday. Uh, that's an easy trap to fall into. And I probably fell into that a few times. We're all guilty uh, of that, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I like it, I think that everyone else is going to like it. And that's that's not the case. And so I think for um, different contexts and uh, understanding that there are 80-year-olds 
in the building as well as eight, 18, 28 year olds and trying to find things that move uh, everybody and that communicate truth to everyone that are going to resonate. And not everyone's going to resonate with this song or that song. Um, but if the truth that's in those songs can grab a hold of them, uh, regardless of the style that we use per se, uh, that's what's you know really important at the end of the day. But you're going to get, everyone's got an opinion on what they like and what uh, kind of music they listen to throughout the week. And I, my favorite was in talking to some, some of these guys and I'd ask them, you know, they'd say, Oh, I think we shouldn't have drums. Uh, this is your, a few years back. We shouldn't have drums in a worship service. And I was like, well, what kind of music do you listen to? I like classic rock. I'm like, so you, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so during the week, you know, you're, you're getting into these songs that have drums and electric guitars. Uh, but on a Sunday, you don't think that's uh, necessarily appropriate when if the spirit of the song is, you know, giving God adoration uh, and or singing about who he is. And uh, then I think um, style and is is secondary to the, the function of the songs. Um, form versus function is a big, big discussion in the church uh, and has been for, for years and in especially moving from uh, hymns into modern worship, uh, which kind of happened like beginning around like 2000 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you, as long as the function is there uh, as far as putting the gospel out there for people to, to grab a hold of uh, and the truths of God's word, that's, that's the important part. Uh, and so the, the form that you use, and it can vary week to week, um, I prefer kind of acoustic driven music where, and I think that that's the least offensive to the most amount of people. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good way of putting that. Least that's awesome. Yeah. Like Americana style. Americana. So, so why I think with this, this, I've seen churches split over these things. Oh, oh yeah. sure. Um, sometimes churches do separate services, traditional. We did for years. It's hard because it's so hard to navigate. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's not books written, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, how, how do you do this with, you know, you don't want to compromise, but yet you don't want to be stuck in the past. And, and people forget too, is that when hymns first came out, it was highly controversial. Sure. Right? People said, you can't do these hymns. And they were set to some of them, not all of them. Some were set to drinking songs. Yep. Old yeah. bar bars, tunes. Old bar yep. tunes. Yeah. Right? And, and so it was like, no, you, we only sing the Psalms. And you right. know, it says sing a new song to the Lord. Right. Like, who's who's reading that song, by the way? Uh, but um, so so you see, like throughout history, navigating this was always it was it's always comes with the complexity. Yeah. yeah. People. People. Yeah. Yes. And and you know, it's it's no surprise to you know the three of us in this room right now that you know worship specifically, you know, worship leaders, worship pastors, it's the most scrutinized position in any church, hands sure. down, hands down. Every church that I've been a part of, it's always, and it has nothing to do with me, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back. We yeah, run right, the tape. Right, right. We run the tape. Most criticized. No. Every church I've every, been part of. Every single church has such a strong opinion on what worship should be. You know, yeah, there, oh, yeah. there are churches that ascribe to the regulative principle, you know, saying that, like you said earlier, Mark, that, you know, worship should be straight out of the Psalms. If it's not following the regular principle, then you're doing it wrong. There are churches who are trying to be hip and modern, you know, trying to do all of the cool new Bethel Hill song, you name it songs. And, you know, 
Eric, you, you put it so beautifully at the end of the day, if we, if the songs that we're selecting are rooted in scripture, they are, uh, you know, uh, songs adoring the qualities of God, his greatness, um, our gratitude for our salvation, um, you know, the grace that he bestows on us, all of those things, then, you know, we're hitting the mark and, you know, stylistically, you know, people will fall on one side of the aisle or another. There's nothing we can do to help that. Everyone has their own preferences, but the lyrics alone should cause you to worship. And if something's wrong because the style of the music is getting in the way of that, then I think you should check your heart on that. Yeah. No, I would agree. And uh, there's a lot of opinions. <laughs> Every person that walks in has an opinion of, you know, what they what they think things should sound like or, or feel like. Sure. Volume level. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Volume, yeah, it's yeah. too loud. It's too soft. Yeah. In the same week. Like, too many to- songs. Not enough songs. Pick one. Yeah. yeah, pick one. Just pick one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely scrutinized a lot. And I think, you know, you have to have very thick skin. Oh, uh, for sure. But yeah. at the end of the day, just knowing that I'm doing what, I think is right in God's eyes and uh, by the, you know, for the good of the people that are in the room. And um, I think that's, that's what you have to like focus on week in and week out. And um, otherwise you're not going to please everybody. And that is just how it is. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And I think with some of that too, right. you, You think, well, what's the best music? Every church is going to be different. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you, you have these different ones. I remember my, my in-laws go to like one of the largest churches in America in Arizona. I forgot the name of it. But I remember when we visit, we go once a year and we visit and they always sing songs. I have no idea what they are. Hmm. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, they're good. Like they're, But I just don't, I never heard these songs. They're actually not catchy because I can't call, recall any of them when I yeah. leave. Is that, you know, uh, uh, of it. And so I think they write their own music. And but I'm looking around. I was like, I don't see a lot of people engaged in some of this worship. Yeah. But the but I'm there once a once a year. You right. Know? So I, when it comes to like picking these songs, you want this to where it's proclaiming God's truth. You're expressing praise to the Lord. It's congregational, singable, singable. Because some songs are, sure. are not congregational. Yeah, absolutely. So so how do you navigate picking different types of songs? Um. Well, you know. I used to have uh, this kind of written out and it was in front of me all the time when I was kind of picking songs and like filtering through things. Um, And now it just kind of is out of habit. Um, But starting with something that is true, you know, that is either directly from scripture or is directly based on scripture. So singing songs of truth uh, and then having singable melodies. We don't have hymnals that we open up and we can follow where the notes go or I can sing the alto part and the soprano part. Uh, and, uh, we don't have overhead projectors where we're swapping out, (laughs) you know, the, the lyrics and stuff. Uh, and people, there's gotta be a sense of, uh, a melody that can sit in people's heads after hearing it once or twice so that they can begin to engage with it. Um, you know, once you hit the chorus or whatever. And I know that a lot of songs feel repetitive uh, in, in modern worship music, um, but that's, it's so it sticks in your head and it's so you can sing along with it. Um, there are obviously like performance pieces 
that if you have a, an incredible singer with an incredible range and you can put them out there, well, that's not going to be a corporate song. That's right. something they're going to sit back and like special music, so to speak. Um, but the the focus on uh, singability, I think, is just really huge. And it's just funny because nowadays, like, so when I was growing up, uh, the majority of hymns and songs were written for sopranos and baritones to lead uh, and so sopranos always had the melody and baritones always had the melody and then altos and tenors were in the middle. And then once like Chris Tomlin and that uh, kind of genre started to get big, then tenors became the melody. And so what ends up happening is a lot of songs, uh, if they're done in like the actual key of the song, like men, they're too high for yep. men to sing. Mm hmm. And they're like, I can't engage with this because, uh, you know, you're singing through the rafters and where you might get a worship leader who uh, they can sing that high. And that's like their sweet spot and everything. But if, it's not about them, you know, showing off their vocal skills or whatever. Uh, and so a lot of times we'll we'll take songs and we'll drop them down a key or two so that it's more singable for the average you know, female vocal range and the average male vocal range. Cause a lot of people, you know, they're not picking out harmonies per se when they're, when they're singing along and stuff. And so, and that is especially important. I think when we have a choir uh, and you just pay extra close attention to it uh, when you have, you know, 14, 16 other voices up there with you and you want to make sure that, Hey, this is singable for guys and girls. Um, but it's not always easy. And especially, I mean, there are hymns with, really wild oh, yeah. ranges. Um, and, but it's, it's also, you know, it's, it's fun to try and figure out and it's fun to go through different songs and you hear something and think like, this one is going to land, you know, or this one, I like it, but my, the people won't. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's hard water sometimes to navigate. And I've also seen though, where uh, churches who are not necessarily, uh, modern and they'll try and do modern music, but they do it in an old school kind of way and it just does not work. Uh, and you'll hear a song that, you know, was written in the last three, four years. Uh, the, the one that my wife and I went to this church and it was no longer slaves. And, but it sounded like it was still 2001, you know, the way that they sang it three part harmony, the whole way through the instrumentation and everything. Uh, and so I think picking songs and uh, a genre that your musicians are comfortable playing and your singers are comfortable singing with uh, and just makes sense for your context and for your people uh, is is important. And because uh, you can just because you're doing a, a song that was written in the last five years doesn't make you, you know, a great worship leader. Yeah. 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 For sure. uh, Don't try to be like somebody on YouTube, you know, just. Yeah. Lead, lead the church, right? Well, right. And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if the songs that we're selecting for our congregation aren't serving our congregation, then we're not doing a good job. Exactly. Yeah. The The job of a worship leader is to lead the congregation in worship together, making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And if we're not doing that together, then we're missing the bar. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amen. So, so how do you help change a church culture through music? So you think about, I think another question that I think it would be good to ask as well is like, how can you encourage lead pastors or pastors or ministry leaders, or elder boards to 
empower their worship leaders, their praise and worship leaders. Mm. So they're not, you know, butting heads or whatever it may be, or like empowering them to do, do the job they're called to do. But, but how do you change a, a church culture through music? So, so say you're at a church and it's kind of stuck in the old ways and it's like, man, we really need to update some of these things. Cause the, our church culture is relevant, but to like the forties, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not 2040, like 1940. And so <laughs> like how, how do we, how do you do, how do you help change some of the culture through music? Uh, well, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into it in thinking through, um, you know, what, what's the saying? Like you, uh, win people or what you win them with is what you win them to. Mm. Um, and so I, I think with, um, culture inside of the church and understanding that it's a multi-generational, uh, people and that we're we're designed to to be that um, you got to just do things in love and do things if if you want to add in uh, drums we added in drums to a traditional service one time uh, and it how'd that go over <laughs> it was interesting uh, the piano player really struggled with it uh, and having like one steady tempo sure. because she liked to you uh-huh. know speed things up and slow them down on her watch. Um, but with the, the idea of a church culture, um, is, I don't know, when you have, uh, a lot of an older church and they don't, they don't want their church to die, you know, they want to see their church thriving. They want to see young people. Um, and I think teaching people through why we do what we do is a really important thing instead of just like throwing the doors off and doing something uh, for the sake of change, uh, doing different types of songs or different styles of music. Um, In that process, uh, I think it's really important that we teach why we're doing what we're doing. There are a lot of things I think that people in the church do even now today, and they don't necessarily know why they're doing it. Um, I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago, you know, why do we pray before a meal? Like, where is that in scripture? Like, why is that important? And so walking people through in a very loving, gracious way um, that, hey, we're going to start incorporating some different types of songs or some different types of instrumentation uh, onto the stage and in what we do on a Sunday morning. And it's not because we don't want to honor the old anymore. It's not because we don't think that that's relevant anymore. Uh, it's because we we do want to change our culture and we want to have uh, younger people engaged with what we're doing. Uh, I think it's really interesting that in like kids ministry, you go in and it's videos with motions. Uh, try doing that on a Sunday morning and like, you know, I had to jump and, uh, and sometimes we do when we have like family services and we'll, we'll do some of these, uh, like kids songs and the progression though, in elementary age worship and then middle school worship. And it might be like a student pastor with a guitar and his wife is singing, uh, and then into high school and maybe one of the kids picked up drums and, you know, one of the kids picked up this instrument or that. Uh, into what we do on Sunday mornings. I think what's really interesting and what I found is that the the more you have, you know, things like choir or things like orchestra, a lot of people think that, oh, you know, that's very dated uh, in a sense, but you get more people involved that way. Yep. And what I like 
uh, one of my kind of running mottos is I want to pe- I want people in the congregation to see themselves represented on stage. And so I want teenagers to see a teenager on stage. I want older folks to see older people on stage, women, men, like a variety. It's not just, you know, an old man band or whatever. Uh, and that helps when people walk in to, if they see themselves represented uh, in, in what we're doing on Sunday mornings, it helps them engage and to think, hey, maybe this is for me. Maybe this isn't just for my parents or for my grandparents. Um, and so I think those types of things are, they're not that difficult to, to do. Um, but then you get the idea of, oh, okay, well, you know, are all of these people that are on stage, do all of them lives, live lives that are, you know, above reproach. And so you can, there, there are different philosophies on that as well. And, uh, who can be, you know, playing or who can be singing and, um, I think just navigating all of that with a clear vision in mind of, you know, here's our expectation, here's where we want to go as a church, here's who we want to be involved, here's, uh, and not having a target audience. We've talked about that yeah. before. Um, you know, we're just trying to appeal to 18 to 28 year olds. Right. Uh, and well, now everybody over the age of 30 or 40 is like, well, this church is no longer for me. Uh, and while some churches, they might want to do that and that might be, you know, their, uh, philosophy. Um, I think it's just important for us to keep in mind all the time that we're multi-generational and that we, we need everybody. We want the older folks. We want the younger folks. Um, and, styles of music and who you have involved and how you go about, you know, picking songs that are older and newer uh, classics and all, all of that can uh, help to just really shape and form the, the culture in a, in a, from church to church. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's, that's good. And I think you do a really, really good job. We have another worship guy, uh, associate worship pastor named Brian. You guys work really well together and do a good job of doing that. And, and I love our, uh, on stage, our musicians, sometimes there's an 80-year-old guy on bass. Yeah, oh yeah. And then there's like a 15-year-old girl on bass the next week, yep. which is cool because that's like, you know, our church is very multi-generational and, and we have great, you know, from all those different things. And it's I, I love that. You know, now that you said that, I guess I didn't even realize you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't, it was just, in, you know, intuitive. Yeah. It just was there, just, you know, so good. Okay. Um, anything else? Um, let's see here. How can a ministry leader or pastor support worship leaders? Uh, I think shepherding and discipleship. Uh, I, you know, have lots of friends in, in the ministry and they either feel like their, their leadership is completely hands off or too hands on. Uh, and I think the the better the relationship is between the worship pastor, worship leader, and the lead pastor, uh, the you know obviously like if the if the pastor can communi- communicate their vision and here's what I want, uh, and then within those boundaries, the worship pastor feels uh, freedom to create and to do. But not all. Uh, worship leaders want that freedom. Some of them want it, you know, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Uh, and just different personalities and such. But I think that uh, when they feel like they're growing and they're being led, they are, you know, then more equipped to shepherd and disciple their, 
you know, ministry leaders and people that are in the, the worship ministry. Uh, and it becomes more of a, a family and a community than we're just musicians showing up and plunking through songs on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, and so I just think that, that portion of it is really important in developing that like family community uh, and especially between like people on stage and also with sound guys and with tech people and like the whole team. Uh, and if they can all feel like, Hey, we're all in this together. We're all making, you know, it's, it's not about me. It's not about that guitar player getting their solo or that singer getting, you know, their thing or the sound guy feeling like everything runs through me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're, we're all, we're family, you know? And, uh, and that, starts with leadership in the church and trickles down to the the worship pastor uh, and then to the the other people in that ministry. And so I think just the closer knit that everybody is uh, as far as staff and um, the the ministry leaders and heads of different departments in different areas and such, uh, just the more they'll be on board with what we're doing, whatever it is. Uh, even if they don't agree with the style or the volume levels or whatever, uh, if they know that the heart behind it is true and good and right, and we're just trying to please God with what we're doing, uh, they're going to be that much more likely to be excited about it and get on board with it and feel like they can bring their best to it. Good. I love it. Let me end with a story uh, by a guy named Jim Parker. He was part of our church. He passed away. So live with the Lord uh, about three years ago, but him and his wife, Sue, they're probably in their 80s, and they were at church every Sunday, and they uh, they loved it. You know, we got to spend time with them, and I'd go and have hot chocolate at their house and see them and visit with them when they were sick or whatever, and um, his wife would put marshmallow in the hot chocolate, oh, which nice. was, yeah, it was good. Nice. Cool. Uh, but I remember talking to him about, you know, where they're at and things of what God's doing, and him just saying, hey, you know, I love this church so much. I love this this community we get to be part of. And I was like, oh, that's, man, praise God, that's awesome. He's like, I don't, I don't really like the music. It's really loud, <laughs> but we don't care because the young people love it and we just love worshiping God. And it's not what we would pick, but we don't care because we get, this is the community of God and we, we're just glad to be part of this. And I was like, man, I love that attitude. If we all had that attitude for everything else, you know, all these other things too, including the music and all that stuff, how much healthier and unified would our churches be? Uh, my preference is I can give them up for the good of the body. Mm. So, so just the last thought there. It's good. Yeah, yeah very selfless. Yeah, he was a great man, great man of God. All right, Eric, thanks for being here. Thanks for your time and insight. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you were required. Um, <laughs> I'm joking around. I'm After this will be your annual review. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, any real last thought? Any recommended recommended resources? Uh, yeah, th- th- one of the books that like s- has stuck out to me over the last few years and I continue to go back to is a book, uh, it's called Reaching Out Without Dumbing Down. Mm. Uh, and that was one that I read pretty early on in, uh, you know, leading worship and continues to shape the way that I do what I do. Uh, and there's obviously, you know, there's like Piper has written books on, worship and uh i think tozer has a book on worship yeah, and there's he's got a couple yeah there's some really great resources and stuff out there and just things to you know remind ourselves of uh why we do what we do and it's always important to just kind of keep that in our heads instead of just going through the motions because sunday's always coming mm. so all right great well thanks for being here stream roots is a production of barnabas ministries you can learn more at barnabas ministries mi.org that's barnabas ministries mi.org 
www.thepurposeofthe.org. If you find this podcast helpful, we encourage you to subscribe or leave a review or rate it. Maybe even tell a friend. It allows us to get God's word out to more and more people. We'd be grateful if you did. We release an episode every Monday morning. Stream Roots, drawing deep from the living water of God's word.